Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. So if you're just handing out your money to someone and they're just like, yeah, like sending out an email blast for you, maybe you'll get picked up. It has to be someone that truly, really cares about your brand and someone that's going to use their relationships for you. I mean, we're all the same at the core. I just think it comes out in different ways. Like women feel a lot of pressure and being competitive and it comes out in other ways and men might feel that like that, but it comes out in a different way. Recently, I got off social media for four days, didn't even pick up my phone, reset, went back to why am I doing this? What do I want from this? Why am I going to let the noise F with my freaking vision and my life? What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Sarah Pendrick. You can find her on Instagram and elsewhere at Girl Talk Network. I wanted to have Sarah on the show for a few reasons. First is that she knows how to build a tribe like no one I've ever seen. She's created raving fans that hang on her every word. And second, we talked a lot about the mechanics of marketing and filling up an event. This is not easy to do in real life. You know, as with most things, it's easy to talk about, you know, hey, I've got this idea for an event, but then nobody shows up. That's not the case with her. She fills them. So we talked a lot about how she was able to execute that. So who is Sarah? Sarah is the founder and creator of The Girl Talk Network. Her mission is to empower women of all ages. She's a self-love advocate, community influencer, life coach, writer, empowerment speaker, and philanthropist. She has a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in family therapy. And she's developed a famous woman's event that benefits a custom empowerment program for young women. She travels all over the United States to speak to women and provides them with support education and empowerment. So I first met Sarah in my mastermind and was absolutely blown away by her ability to read a situation, create a solid plan for it, and more importantly, have incredible belief in what she wants to accomplish. So you can find Sarah on the socials at Girl Talk Network. Be sure to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on the socials, and remember to tag me and Girl Talk Network and let us know what you thought. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Sarah Pendrick. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this. You know what? I am super excited because this is my first official Girl Talk conversation ever. It is. What do we do? I mean, do I have to like, like how do how do girls talk? I don't even know what to do. I'm going to screw this up. No, you're not. You can do girl talk. You know what? I have no testosterone in my family whatsoever <laughs> other than me. Even the dog is a female. <laughs> so, you, so you know. Yeah. So I thought we would start with where you grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe, maybe you can tell me a story about something that your parents did with you as a kid that sort of typifies what your experience was like, say, from ages five to 10. So I am the oldest of three boys. So there's four of us. 
And then you can kind of understand why I started Girl Talk in the first place, because I was surrounded by men my whole life. I was a tomboy, which is pretty crazy. You probably didn't know that about me. I've always been a really strong, opinionated, creative person. And that was from the minute that I can even remember my earliest memory. I've always been a a caretaker. And I just remember ages 5 to 10 being an older soul and just always taking care of everyone around me. So that obviously shows up in my work now. And that's just kind of how I live life. I always knew there was another calling for me. And I've always kind of also felt really awkward, which a lot of people don't know. My experiences growing up are amazing. Also not so amazing as well. I think everyone does the best that they can. I love my parents and I'm grateful for everything that I've learned and everything that I've been through. But I've kind of just always felt like an adult my whole life. So a lot of things that you're talking about are going to move us into sort of the next area that, you know, as I dug deeper into your worlds, um, you're a, it was interesting trying to pick a lane to go down with you because you're like a purple unicorn. You have a lot of different lives that you've lived. And, you know, although we're personally just getting to know each other, there's still some things that are really sort of surprising. So One of them is if we move a few years forward and we talk about your professional training, you got your master's in family therapy, which I believe makes you a psychologist by trade. Is that right? Yes. So why did you want to become a psychologist? And then why did you ultimately decide not to practice? So my entire life, I knew that I wanted to either be a psychologist or some sort of performer. I was like the little girl that was throwing myself into the pool at whatever age practicing for the plays that I was in. So there was always something in me for performance-based and then also helping people. And I just, at that time... I, you know, my family was really big on education and being like either a doctor or a lawyer or this or that. They didn't really think outside the box just because they hadn't been around things like that. Luckily, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I did learn a lot from him, but I just thought, Hey, I want to help people. So I need to be a psychologist. But when I started thinking outside the box and listening to my own voice, I realized I can help people and I can do whatever I want. I don't have to be a psychologist. So even from going from a psychologist to what I did after is totally off path and off my journey, but it's led me to where I am today. You know, I was one of these guys for years that said, you have to go to college. It's the only way to get ahead in life. Mm -hmm. And you're going to regret it if you don't. But now that I have a girl that is of college age, I'm not entirely sure that I feel the same way, especially in the year 2018. I just, there's so many stories like yours where people just sort of get these degrees because, you know, their parents encouraged them. They thought it was a good idea, et cetera. And they get out and they sort of go down a different path, you know? I definitely am thankful for it. My college experience was also what brought me into feeling, being able to be myself and have my own empowerment. And I built a lot of relationships. So that's my favorite part of what I did. Not saying you have to go to college to get those experiences, but I think that so many times we don't listen to our own voice. And so, you know, it brings us down a different path, but then you always get, it's okay because you're always going to get right back to where you're supposed to be. 
Do you have a particular practice that allows you to listen to your voice? In other words, meditation, journaling, things like that. How do you quiet the mind? Because you're you're naturally a, I don't know, I would describe you as sort of introspective, a thinker, calm. Did, did I get that right? Yeah. So for me, be, focusing on what I'm grateful for, I do have a hard time, maybe just because it's also the entrepreneur side of me quieting my mind and being like, okay, I got to do this. And this is on my calendar. And I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to do this. All those things that we all feel like really what everyone should know is none of us have it together. And we're just all figuring it out along the way. So when I'm like, oh, but this person has it together. I don't have a minute to meditate. It can be tough, but I do a different type of meditation where I listen to music and then I listen to the meditation that brings me through what I'm grateful for. So I'm thinking, I'm not just, you know, clearing my mind. I'm thinking about what I'm grateful for. And that really helps me to start the day. And then I think we have talked about this before. I do the writing, like the spitting out of what's bugging me, what's not going right. I get that all out and then I go back to what I'm grateful for. And those have been really life-changing and really helpful for me because like you said, I am so... I think a lot, but I also have a very strong intuition. So it's like I have these two sides of me that are kind of opposite. So let's move forward a little bit. Let's go to 2011 when you took a trip to LA to visit a friend and you decided when you got there, I'm here in LA and I am not going back to Nashville. Can you sort of unpack that story for me a little bit? Yeah. So once again, just kind of doing what other people told me that I should do or not wanting to upset anyone and not really listening to my own voice. I had wanted to live in LA for a while. I just felt something there. I felt that I needed to be there. I didn't know why. And because I didn't know why, I didn't take action. And I went to visit a friend, like you said, and I literally, like, I had an apartment in Nashville. I was building a whole, like, boutique business. And I literally was like, I'm not coming back. Like, my family sent me my things one at a time because I just, I was like, I, well, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm never going to do it. And it's okay if it doesn't work out because at least I tried. There's something there that keeps showing up for me. And I just need, maybe it wasn't the best, most graceful, nicest way to just peace out and be like, sorry guys, but I had to do it. So I was just like, I'm staying. Even though a lot of my friends at the time or people that I was around or who knows what the truth is, were in these jobs and making a lot of money and doing all these things. And I was kind of going to go backwards from that because, you know, I'm in a big city. I have to figure it out. Got to be scrappy. I'm like, I was just talking to Josh about this the other day and he even know this about me. I like took the, my first job, like selling credit card machines, going door to door. I was just like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to make it happen. And I just blows my mind when you follow that voice and you're just like, I have to make it happen. You're going to find a way. So for those uh, listening, Josh is her husband. And uh, Josh and I were uh, mastermind partners. And that's how we met. We're all in the same mastermind. And he's an amazing guy. We got to have him on the podcast sometime yeah. too. He's He's got some uh, really exciting things happening. But when you were in LA, you shifted again. And you decided that you wanted to go into PR marketing, or at least that's where you wound up. Yeah. So I I guess two questions around that. Why PR marketing? And then the second question is, what is it that makes a great PR person? Because I know you're good in that area. Yeah. So when I was in school, I actually did a lot of nonprofit stuff and PR and marketing just 
came really natural to me. So I did that for events and my volunteer things. So that was just a skill that I had learned in school and doing different events and just being out there giving back. So in my, like, I have to make this work and I'm doing the credit card thing. I realized like, this is not for me. I don't even know. Is this, is this shady? Like, I don't even know. Like, this is just not for me. So I just thought about what am I good at? And I went downtown in the fashion industry and pitched them, whatever. I don't even remember what I said. I'm like, I can help you build your business. I can help you with PR and marketing. And I literally was living in the Devil Wears Prada. If you've seen that movie or anyone that's Mm -hmm. listening in the fashion Mm -hmm. industry, parts that I love, but also dealing with, you know, things that I dealt with when I was younger with bullying and women being terrible to each other. I was like right in the heart of that. And so then I took that and was like, I don't want to schlep downtown and the freaking, I know people get annoyed about this, but the four or five is a real thing in traffic (laughs) every morning, going through these like not safe towns, doing all this stuff. And I took that and then transitioned to have my own clients and was able to work from home. What would you say makes a great PR person? So what makes a great PR person is... I guess it depends if you're looking for PR or if someone that's is looking to be a PR person, it kind of differs, but someone that's actually good at building relationships and is going to hustle because I hate when people are like, it's true. Oh, you pay for effort. It is true. So if you're just handing out your money to someone and they're just like, yeah, like sending out an email blast for you, maybe you'll get picked up. It has to be someone that truly, really cares about your brand and someone that's going to use their relationships for you. Got it. All right. So now the pieces are starting to come together. And it's no surprise to me that the path that the universe led you down was perfect for what we're going to talk about next, which is your company, Girl Talk. Mm -hmm. Can you place us on the day that you sat down and started writing all the things you wanted to do and all the things that made you happy and how the seeds of that writing ultimately became what is now known as Girl Talk. Yeah. So first, I actually had my first business plan at 15, which is Girl Talk, which is pretty crazy that I came across that maybe like a year ago. So I got into the PR marketing world. I was making a lot of money. I was helping people, which is what I'm good at, but also what what lights me up. But I wasn't following what I knew my calling was. Obviously, I knew that I was meant for something else. I kept going down these wrong roads and not listening to my own voice, which was making it take longer. But at the same time, going down these other paths also helped me. Like I went from psychology to marketing. And now look what I'm doing with Girl Talk. I mean, I'm using psychology and marketing. So Mm -hmm. I just sat down one day. I really get this from Tony Robbins and just thought about what would I want my life to look like if there was no nothing stopping? Nothing mattered. It didn't matter. Money didn't matter. Time didn't matter. The people that I knew, like, what would I actually want? So I would just, I was just writing it out. If something came into my mind, like, oh, well, then you have to make this or do that, or you have to know this person. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, just write it out because I can. I got to that point because I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't fulfilled, and I still wasn't living my purpose because I was listening to what other people thought. And I was giving into those pressures and I was giving into the, I'm this age and I'm supposed to be here. Look what everyone else is doing. Like, why do I feel like this? And I just got super exhausted from living like that. And I'm like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm just going to 
what do, what do I want? Sometimes people also don't know what they want. So if you just take that time, you could take 10 minutes even right now after listening to this and be like, what really makes me happy? And that was huge for me. That's not an easy question to answer. I mean, if, if you know, one of the things I once heard Oprah Winfrey talk about, she was pretty dramatic about it. And she like grabbed somebody on uh, one of her shows and she's, she looked at her dead in the face and she goes, what do you want? That is the most powerful question you'll ever ask yourself. Yeah. What do and no? It sounds so counterintuitive, but nobody asked that question. Well, what I do think, you? Yeah, and I think people they're like, oh, they're supposed they get kind of intimidated by the question, like, oh, I'm supposed to know, I'm supposed to like, I'm supposed to have this good answer, I'm supposed to know. like, no, that's why you write it out. It could be something so silly, like I love surfing, I love making green tea like just literally what actually makes you laugh what are things if you have to think about it what had happened in this last week that i thought was awesome like you write it down and so much comes for that all right so we've been dancing around girl talk can you explain what girl talk is and why you created it yeah so girl talk is a movement it's a ton of different things i have an event that's a weekend retreat for women where we all come together and just put down our armor and give ourselves permission to do you like be you not in like a cheesy way, but we all need to stop making it so hard for each other and stop living this like hamster wheel of like the way I felt getting exhausted. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to do this. Like, but I really have a calling to do this, but I have all these people in my ear just to really have a safe place where we can feel supported and empowered People call it like a wedding for women. And then I bring in other speakers and panels and people just really share their life experiences, but in a real way. So there's an event series. I also have a nonprofit where I take proceeds from that. And I travel around the country and I talk to girls in high school and in college to give them what I wish I would have had back then, which is a mentor, someone that they can relate to someone that can tell them like, Hey, you don't have to have it all figured out. I'm standing in front of you right now. I don't even have it all figured out. Do you think that men have this issue as well? Or do you think that this is more specific to women? No, I think that everyone has that issue. It's funny because even there will be some men men at my events, whether it's a brand or someone helping. And I always laugh because the guys are sitting there like, so in tuned. And then I hear their feedback after and they're like, Oh my gosh, when she spoke or what you said, like, and they are just as motivated. I mean, we're all the same at the core. I just think it comes out in different ways. Like women feel a lot of pressure and and being competitive and it comes out in other ways. And men might feel that like that, but it comes out in a different way. Like you're angry, maybe that you're not at this yet. And like, this guy's doing this and you're like, Oh, whatever. I'm like, you know, it just comes out in different ways. I have this, I just have this vision of this big, I don't know why he's heavy, this big, heavy cameraman sitting in the back with a tissue <laughs> crying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now you have this idea for what you want to create and you walk over to the calendar, you mark April 23rd, 2016 on it. And mm-hmm. you say, there's no turning back. I'm going to do this. Can you give people some color on what it was really like to have no funding at all in place, but a big vision for what you wanted? And how did you deal with all those fears? This is where I really say, try. Even if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, that question, what do I want? Just try to start writing things down. 
because I got really clear on that. And I said, April 23rd, didn't renew any of my PR contracts. Literally didn't. I used my own money to fund my first event and fund my nonprofit. But I just knew it. Like I was so sick of not doing it. So that's, that's my story. I was so sick of not doing it that there was just no other way. I wasn't going to live like that anymore. So one thing, and I help people on this in different ways. Cause they're like, how do you do this? How do I start this? I started in my own community and realized that the one thing that you want to create or the event or the podcast, whatever you want to do, there's a need for it. If you feel like you want to do this and there's a need, then there's a need. So you just got to go talk to people and it does it does suck. You do feel those fears, but the only way to push past that is to do it. Even that first email that I sent out, I'm like, Oh, what if they say no, then that means then, Oh, people don't really get it or whatever. I had so many people write back and be like, what is women supporting women? Or sorry, I I don't understand. And now how many years later, two or three, it's a viral hashtag and everyone's jumping on this women supporting women bandwagon. So I just kept going and then I found the right partners. And then when I got to just decipher through the mess of people like not getting it or being too busy. It's nothing personal when people say no. I was I started being like, okay, cool. Like finally, like just say no so I can go on to the next one. And then I got the right yeses. So I got the people that were like, yeah. And then would come in and be like, how else can I help? And I know this person and I want to introduce you to this person. So it's like, if you don't push through the fear and just try, I mean, what's going to happen? Nothing. So you have to do it. So you, so you just went through, you just did, you, you faced the fear, you did it. And you, at some point said, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> It's exactly. like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody's going to reach their hand through the computer and choke me. Exactly. Like n- nothing's going to happen. Well, what's the worst that's going to happen is you're going to stay where you are and you're going to feel shitty and yeah. follow your dreams, follow your heart. You know, people talk about the 10-year overnight success, and I think that concept is appropriate here for you. And I'm sure that you know people looking in from the outside um, ask you how this thing blew up so fast. And when you hear that, what do you tell them when they ask you that? I laugh and I could get sucked into this too because of social media, but it's funny because it's like, even when people are like, oh, then you did it in three years. It's like, actually, it took like 20 something years. I mean, think about all the different roads I went down and different paths and not listening to my voice, not doing what I wanted to do. I mean, it's been my whole life. So there's no such thing as overnight 10 year success. I mean, there's no such thing as that. So, and the thing with social media is that things are happening so fast and you're not seeing the true story and social media is sort of new. So you're just seeing like, oh, well, they have a hundred thousand followers all of a sudden. And then you get down on yourself, but it's all bullshit. Like there is no such thing as overnight. No, but I do get very jealous of the number of followers you have. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't overnight either. So I know, I know it wasn't. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit about events because a lot of people who are listening to this are aspiring entrepreneurs, either they are quote unquote uh, influencers, et cetera, and they're considering doing events. And I think that one of your areas of, I know that one of your areas of expertise is events. So I want to dig in just a little bit uh, for some people. And and some of these questions are self-interested because I've never done an event. And if I ever do, you definitely would be the one that I would call. So how should people approach planning an event 
like you have with girl talk? In other words, maybe you can describe uh, physically what the room looks like, how many people are there, what the makeup is. And maybe you could just kind of give me what the playbook is for producing something like that. Just high level. Yeah. So high level, the one thing that I did, and I would say this for anyone, is think about how you want people to feel when they're at your event and after they leave. Because I think people jump into planning an event and they're like, I saw this at this event. I'm supposed to have this. And my event's not good if I don't have X, Y, Z, or if I don't have this person speaking, and that's just going to overwhelm you. So you have to think about what do you want people to feel when they're at your event and when they leave? And then think about that, know your answer, and then then you start planning. Like for me, I wanted women to feel safe. I wanted them to feel celebrated, and I wanted them to feel good. So I reverse engineered my event that way. I worked my ass off to get every sponsor, every partner, do a ton of trades. That's another reason why I built up my social media because I wanted to use it to make my events amazing, to make them have flowers everywhere for women to walk into this room and be like, oh, wow, this is for me. And then I also do the content on that as well. I ask the questions. I bring the women in there that are walking the walk, not just because they're a big name, Um, I have a panel of people in the community so they can see women like all of us. You don't have to be whoever to make it. And all these women have so many stories. I really wanted women to drop their guard and know that we can do it and feel amazing and feel empowered when they leave. So because I knew how I wanted them to feel, I planned my event that way. Like if you're going to do an event, I know a lot of what you're about. You would plan it for people to embrace working hard, but embrace the play part of it. So what would your event look like? You know what I mean? Okay. So for you, it was about making them feel safe and celebrated and making them feel good. So you you just had to reverse... I'm just thinking this through. Yeah. So you just had to reverse engineer what that... I, I guess you use that as a lens for every question you ask yourself, would this speaker be in alignment with making somebody feel safe? Yeah. Would this, w- uh, got it, got and it. What I'm just, would I have to have, like, what would we do, you know, what would we do at this break or how would we open up? Like thinking about it like that, what, whatever do I need to have there to make this happen? All right. What are the key lessons that you learned from the first event and maybe how has your thinking changed or evolved since you've done the first event? So the key lessons I learned, which would be helpful for anyone that's wanting to start anything or an event was just to ask because you might think this person isn't going to show up or you're not going to get this press coverage or you're not going to get this sponsorship is just to ask. And you'll be really surprised. There's a lot of people out there that want to help you and want to make things happen. And the biggest thing that I learned is that people just want real. Like my first event, I got super nervous a few days before because I wanted everything to go perfect. I got out of that mindset of why I was doing it and how I wanted them to feel. And I was more focused on like, if this doesn't happen at this time. And I just realized that's such BS and you just have to be real because that's what people are craving. People are craving real. People are craving the truth. They're not craving these perfectly produced, there's nothing that can go wrong. Like it's just not how it is. Even with even with videos, like people just want real. 
Is there something that comes to mind that felt sort of manufactured when you first did it that you either, you know, pulled out, deleted or changed at the second go around? Uh, just the pressure. It's crazy because now I go around the country doing speaking, but at the time I was really nervous and I had this whole planned out speech and I was going up the stairs, like shaking right before. And then I was just like, F it and went up there and told them, this is why I'm doing this and spoke from the heart. And instantly within five minutes of the event, you could see the change in people as when they arrived, not expecting, feeling weird, being like, I'm by myself. What is this? What's this woman going to do? I just felt the energy in the room change. And that's when I realized that in everything that we do, we just need to be ourselves. I know it's sometimes hard, but you're not going to get anywhere unless you're yourself. And if you do get somewhere, it's going to come crashing down on you at Mm -hmm. some point if you're not being yourself. What do you think people pay too little attention to or too much attention to when they're planning an event? I think those details. I think they freak out about, you know, how many people are going to be there. What if this goes wrong? What if they have their like, like heart set on a specific speaker or a specific something being there? And I think it's great to have those goals because then you can manifest it and you know, like, this is a person that I really want to be there because why though? Not just because they're so-and-so and they bring ticket sales, but why do you really want them there? I think that people overthink too much and they get really caught up on, I've never done an event, so this is hard. I mean, event planning is hard, but anyone can do it. For somebody who is just starting out, what would some good goals be and what would some bad goals be? It just goes down to don't put pressure on yourself. I think the biggest thing would be planning the date because if you don't plan the date, like that's what I did. I planned the date April 23rd and there was no going back from that. Plan the date, tell people your first goal would be to know what does it look like? What is my reason for planning this event? How many people do I want to get there? It's okay if that ma- if that many don't come and just really your goal should be to do it. I mean, my events now are so different. That's great. That's great. Just do it. Like my events, I look back at my first event sold out. I was in all these publications that people pay to be in and I didn't pay for it. It's like, holy crap. Like now I'm going back celebrating it now when I should have celebrated it right then. But just do it. (laughs) Literally. You know, I tell you what this reminds me of. I wanted to run a marathon and my, I had one goal in running a marathon and that was to finish. Yeah. That was it. I didn't give a shit about time. I didn't, I didn't care about anything. It was so I love that advice. Just do the event. And if it sucks and it's a mess, so what? The next one will just be better. Yeah. And even if it's not going to suck, if there's, if you're doing it for the right reasons and 20 people come, you just made 20 people raving fans and they're going to tell their friends and they're going to bring a person next time. It's going to be 40 people. I mean, it's going to be more, but you just have to do it. I love that. Okay. So are there any particular examples that come to mind where you felt like you started to drift from the vision that you had with Girl Talk and then had to course correct maybe with a sponsor or something? Yeah. So I had... This is another thing. You know, When you're creating something, whether it's an event or your business or your next... Pro- whatever it is, it's really good to have a mission and your values because you can drift. You can see that person with this amount of followers or this person that's kind of in my lane did this. And you know, you can really get overwhelmed by the noise. So you have to do everything in your power to not let the noise get to you. 
everything. If that means you don't go on social media, someone posts for you, you don't go to this certain event, you don't listen, you don't hang around with these certain people, you have to drown out the noise. So that's extremely important. And how did you do that? I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that I haven't like let the noise get in for sure. And that's been a problem for me, especially because I mean, I sold out my first event from Instagram. So Instagram's a big thing for me, but now you're on there, you're scrolling, you see all this stuff, this person's doing that. It's like, you just have to go back to your mission and your values. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter. What do you want to do? Stay in your lane be you because no one else can be you. So if you're trying to do something else, of course you can take little bits and pieces of things that you like that you see. But sometimes for me recently, I got off social media for four days, didn't even pick up my phone, reset, went back to why am I doing this? What do I want from this? Why am I going to let the noise F with my freaking vision and my life? What'd you do for those four days when you got off social media? Did you just shut the phone off? Did you turn notifications? Did you feel like a crack addict? Keep reaching for <laughs> I mean, I really set my mind to it because I definitely haven't been all in before. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. And then I'm reaching for the phone or reaching for whatever, just one more email. But I took those four days, I turned my phone off and I went for walks. I journaled, I wrote down all the things that I was feeling. It doesn't matter. No judgment on yourself. Writing really, really does work. I know, you know, it's weird. We're used to texting and typing on a computer, whatever, but writing really does work. It gets another part of your brain thinking and opening up to new things that you didn't think about. And I really just gave myself that space. And then, you know, what came out of it? I know when my next event's going to be. I wasn't putting pressure on myself. I'm back to exactly where I want to be. So you took four days, Mm -hmm. journaled, didn't use the phone, didn't answer emails, and just allowed the universe to drop different things into your conscious, your subconscious, and then you just got clarity. And I did the whole... I played. I did stuff that made me feel good. I mean, it had been a while. As entrepreneurs, this is what you're all about. You forget to play because you're just on this path and you're like, I got to get there. I'll do it next week. I'll play when I'm in Greece next month. No, I mean, you're going to get run down and you're going to get fully immersed in the noise if you're not giving yourself that space and having fun. There's probably one person who's actually done what you just described that's listening to this podcast. If this is one of those simple things that we hear and we're like, well, that sounds like a really good idea. But I would challenge anybody to try and be able to do that. And I guarantee you that if you do it at the end of it, you will come back um, more refreshed. So I love that. Um, Okay. So the last question on events, and that is, how should people approach asking a company to add something to, let's say, a swag bag? Or maybe is there some way, some, maybe is there something that you should not say or do when asking a company? No. So first don't ever get caught up in the should nots because I mean, then you're just going to be driving yourself crazy. You're going to be like, Oh shoot, what should I say? People for swag bags, for example, the brands want to give you stuff. I don't think people realize that they think they have to go hire a PR person. They have to like have, I didn't even have proof of 
concept when I had my event and I had over $300 worth of value in their bags for 300 women. People want to give you stuff. You just have to ask. It's super simple. Like I know everyone's waiting for me to say this big, amazing like secret. You just have to ask, write them, make it short. Don't put them, think about all the emails. Think about how you are in your own day. You have all these emails come in. Oh, I don't know this person. It's a page long. Okay. I don't know. I can't deal with this. Make it short. Tell them what you're doing. Say the type of people that are going to be there and be like, I would think that this is super aligned with your brand and what I'm doing. And I'd love to have the audience be able to be introduced to your product. Super simple. And follow up. So, all right. So let's unpack that just a little bit more because it sounded almost too easy. Yeah. So how many people do you have at an average event? I have... At capacity, 300. But my next event in January, we are doing a whole VIP night, a whole weekend, and it's going to be 500 women. All right. So you have 500 people coming in. That means 500 swag bags. Is that right? Okay. So give me an example um, of one either that you're willing to share or one that you had at the last event that you're okay sharing as well that was in the swag bag. Anybody? Yeah. So, okay. For example... Kendra Scott has been in a lot of my events. I offer them a booth to where they can sell and showcase what they have going on with their brand. And then they can put a gift card or an item into the bag. And the reason that they want to do it is, A, you can tie your event to a charity, which really, really helps. I'm actually glad I just realized. like Tie your event to a charity. You have some sort of giving back aspect. Brands, people, they want to get on board with that. And then they want their products. Kendra Scott, everyone knows who Kendra Scott is, but she still wants more customers. She still wants to get her jewelry and her mission out there. And you're literally giving them an audience by throwing them an event being like, hey, let me share this with these people. Not everyone in the crowd wears Kendra Scott. Maybe only a few of them do. But they get to see the jewelry. They get their $25 gift card or whatever it is. They obviously go spend more than $25. You can't even get anything for $25. But they become fans of the brand. Love it. All right. So it's easy for people to assume that you hit home runs all the time. Could you tell us maybe about a dark or a hard time Um and as whatever you're willing to share and what prompted it and how you came out of it. Or maybe you could tell us about a failure that looking back really helped set the stage or teach you something that led to success later. And the more specific, the better, because I want to humanize you for people that think you always hit home runs. You know, it's easy for um, a gal listening to this or even a guy and, you know, to look at your Instagram and just see this amazing life. But, you know, you see the glory as they say, but you don't know the whole story. So is there something that comes to mind for you? Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's no such thing as anyone having the perfect life. And for instance, I was raped in college and a lot of people don't know that. I don't share all, I share my story, but it's not all the time that I do. And that could have brought me down. And it was exactly at the place where I was starting to listen to my voice. I was out there by myself feeling empowered and, you know, life that obviously took me down and it is an absolutely terrible thing. I, if I could go back and 
change it, I wouldn't. And that might sound weird to people, but it made me the person that I am. It made me be able to create girl talk. Now I take what my worst day was and make it my best day. It's one of the reasons I even do the event. And honestly, I, I struggle every day because of that, because of being bullied, because of my own insecurities and feeling awkward. I mean, I know that maybe the way I look or you're looking at my Instagram, you have no idea that I feel awkward. I feel awkward. I'm a really creative person. It's kind of like a tortured artist. I feel awkward. I'm not good at networking events. And for my company and my business, that's what I have to do. But it's a struggle. Like Things are struggles. I've had addiction in my family that I've dealt with recently and having to drop everything and help. And I mean, nothing is what it seems. Thank you yeah. for that. That was awesome. I think a lot of people can learn a lot from that. All right. Switching gears to my favorite lane, which is the world of play hard. And um, I am super excited that you get to step into my world of play hard next week when we're on the beaches of, uh, of Mykonos, yes. Greece. So oh my gosh, I week. cannot... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Not this weekend. I mean, this podcast will launch at a different time, of course, but uh, by the time you guys are hearing it, we will be back and you can go back on her Instagram. I'm, I'm predicting the future. You can go back on her Instagram and look at all the pictures because that's, that's when that's this true. will happen. Okay. So let's do a little check under the hood and move into the, the play hard part of your life. Most entrepreneurs are super driven and they just don't take the time to play. Now, play does not have to be spraying champagne in Saint-Tropez, although it can be. Sometimes spending more time just reading a book is even sexier yeah. than that. So it just it's different for yeah. everybody. If you added more play in your life, what kinds of things would you love to add? I would add more of those days where I just shut everything off. That was really powerful and healing for me. And I know what it's like I am an entrepreneur, obviously, but I know what it's like when people are on their path of, you know, I'll do it later, but you're going to wake up and be what, 70 and like, you've been saying it for years, I'll do it later. It's like, what are, what's the cost of life by living like that? I mean, that's the way, and I've lived like it. Josh and I were just talking last week, like, what is this worth? What are we doing if we're just constantly hustling and not enjoying what we have now. And so enjoying can be, like you said, reading a book. I love listening to audiobooks. I love going for walks. I love to be doing the champagne thing in Saint-Tropez. I'm sure we'll be doing that a lot in Greece. And I'm excited for it. And I've gotten to the point where it's like, I'm not going to work for a week in Greece. And I'm happy about it. And it's going to make me better. It's going to make me a better wife, a better friend, a better founder, a better speaker. And that's just the thing that people are in this rat race thinking that, and I do it too. So I'm not like preaching that you're going to break down. And I've been in my worst times and my least creative states when I'm living like that and not playing. It's so great. Other than time, what's the biggest block challenge or struggle with adding more play into your life? Just getting in my own way. I mean, there shouldn't be a struggle. It's just getting in our own way, being like, I can't do it or I'll do it tomorrow. I mean, think about how many times you say like, yeah, or I'm waiting till Greece to have fun. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. If you could spend a month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Now, I, and you can also answer this question as 
the the back end of this question, let's say, is I I really want to know about your six months in Italy. So let's let's handle the first part first. If you can spend a month anywhere in the world, where would it actually be? would be Italy. <laughs> so it's funny okay, that, yeah. perfect. Uh, what was the circumstances that led to you uh, living in Italy for six months? I went there for the summer. My family's Italian, and it's just the first place that I had gone to in Europe. I wanted to go and live there. I wanted to speak Italian. I was just one of those things where like, I'm going to go do it for the summer, but I ended up staying for six months. And it was like my top life experience, I would say, because you cannot ask me to say anything in Italian now, but when I was there, I was on it. I was connected to my roots. I really recommend people knowing where they came from and going back there because there's something to be said for being connected to where your ancestors and where it all started. There's just something that really grounds you and makes you feel alive. And Italy is just the most amazing place. I'm, if I could have, if everyone could have that experience, oh my gosh, I just wish that for everyone. And that's a goal for me to be able to go two months out of the year and live in Italy and just be like they, you take a nap whenever you want. Everyone's so happy. There's so many successful people and they're playing. They're not, they shut down their stores whenever they want and their quality of life is amazing. Where did you live when you were there? In Florence. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk offline and we'll have a lot of time to chat about this, but you are absolutely uh, speaking our language. Kim and I got married in Positano. And we've been to Italy now 16 times and actually we'll be in Italy next week on our way to Greece. No, sorry. On the way back from Greece, we're going through Italy and we're going to spend a little bit of time there. It is, there's something about, you know, they call it, there's, there's two things that really struck me there. One is the concept that you're describing, which is la dolce vita, right? Which is the Mm -hmm. sweet life. And they have another saying called la dolce faniente. And that means the art of doing absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And there is nobody other than the Italians that can do absolutely nothing (laughs) as sexy as they can do it. Seriously. Okay. How old would you be if you didn't actually know how old you were? Oh my gosh. What a question. I feel activity looks wise. I feel like 25, but I feel kind of, like an old soul and the things that I really care about and just how deep I like to go. I don't like the 25 year old, no, nothing at 25, but you know, I just am a really deep person and I feel like I've lived a lot of lives. So I, I love that answer. But yeah. I love that answer. And I'll be honest, the intention of the question was more of a physical one to say like, you know, like I'm 51, but I feel like I'm 30. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of energy, that's kind of how I feel. But I loved your answer because your answer was so much more of a a thoughtful, spiritual answer. You, you, you answered that perfectly. I love that. If you were on your deathbed, what would you most regret not having done? More play. Mm, Love it. All right, we're going to move into the last round of the show, and that is the rapid fire round. Answer as quickly or as slowly as you'd like. It's basically a first thing that comes to mind rounds. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? My empathy and my creative side. 
I would agree with both of those. What's one of those things that you're afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of just letting too much time go by not living the way that I want. What's the one thing that you want to get better at? I want to get better at giving myself space. What does that look like for you? It's something that I used to be really good at, but as you have more and more things that you want to achieve, you feel that space isn't available to you. So I just want to keep reminding myself that I'm not going to achieve them unless I give myself that space. So give myself that space to go read a book, shut off my phone, plan a trip that's not, oh, I'm going to work half the time. Got it. So it's basically giving yourself the time to do what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Are there any particular audiobooks that you love? The Universe Has Your Back. Mm. Mm -hmm. Who wrote that? Gabby Bernstein. Got it. Okay. What is the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you never will? A ton of clothes. (laughs) 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 I'm like, I I know that's going to come back like in two years. I got to keep it. That's awesome. You know, our our mutual friend, Lori Harder, I, I don't know if you guys were friends. Maybe you were at this time. Do you remember when every week she was giving away another uh, piece of clothes on Instagram? No, I never knew that. Yeah, it was a really creative thing. And she said, I have so many clothes that each week I'm going to give away one item. And she kind of made it fun. And every week she mailed something in her closet to somebody else. It was kind of oh, cool. I could awesome? get rid of it if I did that. Yeah, like, there you go. So that you, yeah. can, you can take that idea courtesy of Lori. Yeah, thanks, Lori. Okay, last question. If you had to give a TED Talk on nothing that you're known for, nothing that you speak about, but it really could be on anything that you like to do or anything that you have a passion for, or frankly, anything else at all, what would it be? I think it would be about play, to be honest. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I will, I will have you at a, as a guest speaker at the first event. Yes. I'm going to help you with that. You have to do it. Just do it. I know you will. Right now it's secret, so we can't tell anybody. Okay. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? Oh, if I could say this like so deep in my soul, like please drown out the noise because you are meant to be doing something. You are meant to be successful and you're meant to have that time to play. So just everything that you can do to take that time and really start fighting against the pressure. And if you help someone else to do that, that might help you. And we could really just make this movement of to stop giving into the pressure. Well, that is a perfect way to wrap this up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so awesome. Oh, thanks, Rob. I love that. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.